<laughs> Shackleton wouldn't have shagged around like this. <laughs> and so we get back to another episode. That's just lovely. <laughs> so um, the dispute is um, that... Um, the husband also wants to try a glass of this um, particular whiskey, which is Tony. That it is a Shackleton, which was made in the same style as some bottles that they found down in the Antarctic. And they took it back to Scotland, did some taste tests and bits and pieces and blended up because they no longer make the same whiskey mm-hmm. and blended it up and... Uh, so much from each bottle actually goes into uh, Arctic, whatever it is, explorers or whatever. And uh, Shackleton had them had taken them down there. Now, Ernest, Sir Ernest Shackleton, has always been my favourite explorer because I think, and and I always thought that he was probably one of the best. Uh, Antarctic explorers because of some of the things that he pulled off but he never ever lost anybody and any of his exploits he got very very close to getting to the South Pole but never quite made it because of people he would have ended up the same way as Mr Scott did who he just went for the goal and then uh, ended up dying of whatever because he couldn't get back. Whereas Shackleton realised that if he went any further, men and and everything else would have been killed. Shackleton. So in a way, I think he was the best Antarctic explorer of all the people. Um, I, Lewis I, just wants a little, a little one, like literally a finger. Thank you, thank you. That's fine. Thank you. <laughs> can you he take wasn't the worth any more. He's a son-in-law. He's a son-in-law, so he wasn't worth any more than that. Thanks for taking the dogs. Hear them like click, 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 click out of the room. <laughs> I know that's good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, not bad. Hey, I thought that the rule was that you never put a cork back in the whiskey once you've opened it. <laughs> Oh, must be a good one. <laughs> well, cheers. Well, cheers, Catherine. Mr. Toast, Sir Ernest. To Sir Ernest Shackleton. Or drink to him. Thank you for leaving your cases of whiskey. Oh, that's really... Actually, it is. Nom, nom, nom. Nom, 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 nom. Yeah, no, it's quite yummy. I it's just a, like the little bit of character blend. that it has because it is a blend, I believe. Yeah, it is. It is a blend. And so they got these bottles of whiskey back from the Antarctic and they got someone with a very good nose to work out what should go into it, worked it out, put it together, released it. And we actually opened a bottle of the original release which came in the old... Um, pine box was it pine? I yeah, don't know. Wooden it was like, it was wooden like of some. they tried to make it look like when they. Oh, ye old schooly. I think I've still got the bottle somewhere. Now the guy who went over, mm. who was the taster, mm-hmm. and I think it might have been the guy. He was an Indian guy who owned a dis- distilleries in Scotland, and they went over and they were 
the, there's bottles in the Antarctica Museum in Christchurch. Mm. But they took two back, and one of them they tasted, and they did some tests, chemical tests, you know, yeah. lab sort of tests yeah, as well. Yeah. And this guy tasted them, and he is supposedly one of the best whiskey. I can't remember his name. He's a master blender, and yeah. I can't think of what his name is either. And he, but what amazed me, when he was sitting on the private jet going back, he was sitting there having a uh, whiskey with a cigar and I thought anybody with taste buds and everything else I'd sort of be a bit shy of a cigar you yeah know? You'd yeah think that's that, what I thought you think then, that that would sort of you know ruin your but taste but they did a whole program it was on TV and uh, Shackleton's daughter was um, brought into it and uh she she was given some of it after they blended it, and they he went around. He found different barrels, and he we need this flavour and we need that flavour. So it was and Richard Patterson who carried out the analysis. It may well have been. It was. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you as fact. Um, but the daughter tried it. That would have been pretty incredible for her. Yeah, they went to a pub, and he Richard Patterson. Uh, brought it out mm. and uh, said, look, this is a whiskey that your uh, uh, father or grandfather, I can't, I don't know whether it was granddaughter or grand, or daughter. Probably granddaughter because he died in like 1920 She was in her 70s, this lady, and she was oh, a okay. lovely, lovely person. <laughs> and in any case, um, she, she was a fascinating person actually and um she she was absolutely wrapped but what the amazing thing was when he brought the whiskey he, he ordered so many cases of whiskey to take down with so him. he ordered 25 cases and he and in, in the letter that he sent he said under these quantities he he was going to have 10%. He didn't ask for the 10%. He told them that he was going to have the 10% discount. How very British. <laughs> so I take it he already had his um, his title before he went on the expedition. No, I don't think he oh, did. Oh, so a no, result no, no. of it. He, he, he was awarded that, I think, after. Don't quote us. No, no, that's that's interesting. Um, oh, think... okay. They say it should be served over ice. Not that keen on doing that. I think it's a really nice dram without adding no, anything to it's it. It's got a nice flavour. Do you reckon it's like woody without being smoky? Yeah, it's sort of a, um, it's got a, that peaty uh, flavour. Oh, you reckon it's got that peaty flavour? Mm. Hmm. I don't know. It's, it's sort of a cross between a um, Ile or something whiskey, you know, a leg of Ulan and, oh, yeah. and a high and, and a Highland whiskey. Oh, I just don't get any it, of that smoke. Yeah, I don't know. I get I, more of like the florally kind of flavors. Yeah, but there's sort of almost a um, that peaty, really heavy in the background, but it's a lot mm. lighter. But it's almost. Um, a foothills one. It's not not a Highland one. A foothills one. <laughs> I think Mum's going to sit out in the kitchen and, and yap. So sorry if everyone's hearing some 
weird noise in the background. That's mum chatting. Um, so he was actually born in Ireland. Is that right? Hmm. Oh, Shackleton, I suppose. No, yeah. I, I didn't really think that much of the name, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah just... But I, I just think that it's really cool um, that he took the whiskey down there as like a bit of a team building kind of thing. He's like, oh, you know, order 25 cases, that'll keep the team going. Bit of motivation and stuff, so that's pretty cool. I'll tell you what, there's quite a bit of motivation in that, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Um, so looking through the um, online, um, it, he was kind of known for his um, being a role model for leadership um, because in extreme circumstances he... Um, really strive to keep his team together. Oh, yeah. And, and um, it's a pretty incredible story of, of survival that they went through because pretty extreme weather conditions, I'd imagine, down there in I the old Antarctic. I can get bloody nappy down there. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it hadn't melted away like it has. <laughs> and the added bonus of, um, of not having really the technologies, I guess, and a lot of the equipment would have been really old school and heavy. You wouldn't have had your carbon fibre um, sleds or anything like that. Oh, no, Everything no, would no, have no. been old school wood. Well, well, well just, just think of, uh, for instance, to keep warm mm. were woolen jumpers and oil skins. Yeah. And today they've got all these thermal jackets that are... Merino fibre. No, that are... Uh, Oh, more than that. Oh, and you the know. down and everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Sort of, and they, and full suits and they, whatever, but no matter what sort of, if you're wearing a normal coat, I think they wore things like a swan dry, which was sort of a, a shirt that you put on without the front buttons in them. Oh, yeah. Uh, heavy sort of thing. We used to wear them when we were in New Zealand. Uh, Heavy ball kind of yeah, they situation. They had a bit of a collar on them as well, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, and a hood mm. and things like that. And they wore those sort of things. Balaclavas were big. Mm. You know, real big. If you look at uh, photographs. But a lot of the clothing you see with... I, I, I was looking at people climbing up Mount Everest where it was cold and they were wearing sports jackets to keep warm. You know, the old Tweed, really? tweed jackets. Oh, good God. <laughs> you sort of think that's a bit um, useless. <laughs> yeah, when they first yeah. started to try and climb up those sort of places. Yeah. And I think those sort of things were a bit the same, you know. Um, wool was used a lot. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, a lot of other stuff wasn't. A lot of the stuff with um, food and things like that as well. Um, so I know that they kind of expected that they were going to be able to find food sources along the way. And I know there's things like seals and that kind of thing that they can access when they're down there. But seals are really high in vitamin A, I think it is. Yeah, but seal uh, fat mm. likes of... Uh, I've watched quite a few programs on the survival... Not survival, but mm. uh, people who live in the you know, the Eskimo or whatever up in Alaska or Canada and that, or the natives up where it's really, really cold. Mm. And the ones even who live inland, they order or get trade with the ones who are on the coast uh, seal 
because of the fat and they'll render a bit of fat and they'll pour it over their moose steaks and things like that or over other things and it's the fat that keeps them warm makes sense and that's what they do so under those circumstances the seal meat and everything else is probably pretty good to eat the, the, there is a problem I'm pretty sure um, with um, with the meat being very high in vitamin A so where you're starting to feed your dogs and stuff on it they, their livers can't process it um, I think that becomes a bit of a problem well they, they feed a lot of the dogs uh, the old uh, huskies and all those I'm pretty sure they used to feed them on uh, things but the first like so when Scott went down there they didn't take huskies down they didn't have the brains to do that or didn't realise mm. they took down Shetland ponies oh good god and I think they ended up eating most of yeah, them. Yeah, I think that that was the case, yeah. I think and they did take some any, dogs, didn't they? They didn't, no, not, not on the oh. early trips. And and then I think, I'm unsure, I think it might have been Shackleton, who saw some um, guy who was going down there from one of the Scandinavian countries and he was starting to use dogs. Right. And that's when the dogs started to get used. Wow. So seal meat. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get back into that. Um, they So 100 grams of seal meat contains 15% of your vitamin A equivalent. Um, it's got 87% um, of your B1 and 44% of your B2. I think the thing is that with vitamin A, if you eat too much of it, it becomes toxic. And I'm pretty sure it's toxic to dogs. Yeah, I don't know. You might be right. Some of it might be. But I, I was pretty sure that they used to feed seal meat and that to the huskies and bits and pieces. Was it more whale meat? Whale meat, yeah. Yeah, mm. Definitely. Because um, high doses of vitamin A have the potential to be toxic and um, they can cause a disorder that can be very dangerous. I think it can be... Okay. No, no, no. There have been several anecdotal reports and a few scientific studies of vitamin A poisoning due to the consumption of livers of polar bears, walruses, bearded seals, moose and huskies. Yeah, it might be the livers because they. Yeah, they maybe away. that's it, and maybe yeah. that's the issue. But you think that you really I wouldn't want think to be meat, eating. I've I've seen these programs that they eat uh, the seals up in uh, Alaska or whatever they, and uh, the the native peoples up there, and uh, they don't seem to have any problem with it. I guess um, different cultures are tolerant to different things. Yeah, like you look at some cultures can tolerate a lot more um, the sugars and those kind of things without having too many adverse effects well, I, whereas I've, other cultures are really prone to I've your diabetes a, and stuff I've got a theory mm -hmm. the theory is that back I think it was just after the second world war they wanted to make one food the enemy and one, one the thing that you could have they made fat, anything with fat on it, the enemy, mm. and sugar is the friend. And I think that 
might have called the wrong one. Do you think they might have? Oh, I know they do. Did you see the latest thing with eggs? You're allowed to have as many as you want now. Oh, I remember when Dad had, his, uh, had a heart attack and he'd always had an egg in the morning, most mornings. And they said, if you have another egg, you'll be dead within a day or so. You know, they're absolutely terrible and you couldn't eat any more eggs. He carried on eating them, thank God. And then a few years down the track, they were the best thing you could ever have. You know, there's been so many things that are going to kill you. Now, I saw the other day that they uh, said that all red meat causes cancers and everything else. They've come out well, now. Well, no wonder. They've come out now. <laughs> yeah. And they're saying that is a load of rubbish. I think it's probably how you cook it and how much. No, of it they, you... they, re- they reckon that it's just a load of rubbish. load of rubbish. A load of rubbish. Um, They've done a whole lot of things. That's that... the thing. You just get one crazy person who wants to promote a particular thing. I, I'd, they they actually, float their own, but all these radical sort of people, they all get in and float their own But boat. they write books about it and stuff like that. So you look at some of these radical diets. The one that really got me recently was the lady who wrote the book, I Quit Sugar. She eats sugar now. like she. And so what she was recommending is that people give up all forms of sugar, like right down to the lactose and milk, not having any bread or anything like that and completely cutting it out and how wonderful it was for her. And now she's <laughs> she's back eating sugar. She said, I like eating cake. I like having a glass of wine. I couldn't do without it, to be honest. Oh, I saw it. And I was just like, oh. And that's the thing that gets me about these books is that people read them and take them for, you know, gospel. Oh, yeah. And it's kind and of dangerous. And another religion. A, well, yeah, it's a little bit dangerous in a way. You know, all the people that are eating these keto things at the moment. And some people, I admit, do respond well to a keto diet because, like, their tolerance to sugar or whatever, if they've got that predisposition to not being able to process sugars, it's probably great for them. There's a but woman... for everyone to be doing it, I don't think it's necessarily the best idea. There's a woman in Victoria who was on... TV, mm. and she does this thing where I'll just remember that. What you poured like three fingers into your glass? I got one, and I just poured another one. So and don't in any sit case, there any case, laughing. this woman mm-hmm. reckons even identical twins should be on sometimes on different things, different diets, and they do this test mm. and whatever and then they come up with a diet that suits that person and apparently different people suit different things but one thing I've noticed Mm -hmm. was that anybody and I mean anybody who had the iced coffees or iced choco drinks mm. put weight on like one thing yeah because you've got the lactose which is a sugar and then you've got all the added sugar and then and when i was farming mm-hmm. we would catch wild pigs and they were, um we used to call them captain cookers and they were pretty lean sort of running machines you know on the hills and that and when you got a little one, quite often you bring it back and throw it into a pigsty. And we used to milk cows at the time. And you could feed it whatever, you know, all the scraps, cook, cook up all the scraps, that, you know, potato peels and mm. things like that. 
and they they wouldn't put weight on. They'd get bigger, but they'd never sort of fatten up. But if you started to feed them the skim milk after we took cream off, if we had enough milk, oh, yeah. they'd just fatten up like that, and they'd just go to fat. Next thing they'd have an inch and a half of fat over where the chops were. You know, Incredible. as soon as you started to give them milk, mm. they just put on weight. Now the human metabolism and pigs is very very similar I was going to say yeah uh, <laughs> a lot of similarities there and so with sugars and milk mm-hmm. the two things that are going to put weight onto people oh look I mean I don't have sugar in my coffee but I I have I like found Mr Shackleton Mr Shackleton's whiskey is quite extraordinary <laughs> it's actually McKinley's whiskey but yeah I think it's really cool that they um that they've put it back out there. But um, going back to the milk thing, I, I don't have sugar in my coffee, never have. Um, I used to drink black coffee and I discovered the wonderfulness of, of, um, of flat whites, as we call them in Australia, so coffee with milk. But if I start to feel the pants get a little bit tight, I just go back to drinking black coffee for a week or something and it makes such a huge difference. I remember having a teacher in high school, um, he was a science teacher, he's like, why would you drink cow's milk? It's appalling. Well, like, tastes good. He's like, it's designed to get something very small and develop it into something very big. <laughs> it's it's not yeah, designed no, for he's humans. sort of right. And he is sort of right, but it tastes good and stuff it. And I like but, cream, so he can get yeah. stuffed. <laughs> yeah, but I choose the other thing, the other food that everybody had a real hate about, and that was salt. Oh, yeah. And I reckon the human body, we need a certain amount of salt. We do. I mean, think of two of the ladies that we know. Well, I probably didn't know Auntie that well, but my grandmother on Mum's side, Mater, she and Auntie were probably one of the longest, two of the longest-lived women so from your side of the family and from mum's side of the family, and both of them used to, like, put salt on their plate. You but they never didn't just, saw like, her, auntie. I thought, no, I she... thought I did as a kid, as a no. baby or something. No? Okay, no. well, that's what I was saying. I don't know whether I even Your saw mother her. never even met her. I might really? might have. Oh. Might have. Anyway, so two of the oldest ladies on, you know, either side of my family, and... The, if the stories are right, well, I know for a fact that it was a fact. Oh, she used that spoon that's in there. Mater used to sit there and she'd build a little bloody turret on the side of her plate of salt. It was literally a little pillar of salt and it'd be gone by the end of the meal. Uh, uh, None the, of this, like, sprinkle a little bit over your food. Oh, None uh, of that. Auntie used to sit there and you know that spoon that's in that uh, salt thing it's a big spoon two 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 oh it's not it's, well it's a big spoon it's for about salt. a quarter, quarter quarter normal teaspoon size i suppose if you oh, it up. two and a half but anyway yeah it's pretty deep anyway she'd she'd hook a couple of teams of those spoonfuls out put it on the side of a plate and she'd eat it and she'd say Oh, the doctor told me to cut back on the salt because I'm retaining too much fluid and it's all caused by the salt. And this is when she was in her 80s, sort of going into her 80s or whatever. And and she she just 
she her cutting back was only having two about a teaspoon of salt on each meal. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, I mean, it's just, I think that some of those medical things just go overboard sometimes. But the thing is that people yeah. read books and they take, or they yeah. read an article and they go, ooh, this is what we need to do. Now, I used to get it on really hot days if I was working mm. and I'd, uh, would get really bad cramps and a lady who had been in the Middle East she was in charge of the New Zealand hospital at uh, Alexandria I think it was I can't I'm not 100% sure Mrs Oswald we all called her Mrs O and I got on really well with uh, Mrs O mm. and uh, lovely lady Fairly forthright, but you know she was good. No, good that's sort. how you want people. Yeah. Anyway, uh, talking to her, and and uh, she said, "Oh, she said, get a teaspoon of salt, throw it in some water, stir it up. If you can taste the salt too strong, uh, it's not that. But if you can't taste the salt too badly, drink it, and that used to take the cramps away." Well, that's what I used to do because I used to get really bad cramps in the middle of the night. And and a, a, a glass with a yeah. teaspoon of salt in yeah. it uh, used to fix it. Yeah. So the human body, I think, needs a certain amount of oh, salt. For sure. There's no two ways about it. It makes sense. And you, But it's the types of salt as well that you have. Um, having your magnesiums and that kind of thing can be quite yeah, useful but, as well. Oh, in varying degrees. I know that it doesn't no, suit no, everyone. No, no. The other thing is mm -hmm. that um, a lot of people don't realise now the iodine, having iodized salt mm -hmm. is very important. Mm -hmm. People used to get these what they call goiters and they were a big lump that it was like gland would grow down underneath the chin. When I was a kid mm -hmm. there used to be people around and they'd have these awful things underneath their throat here mm. and they were goiters. They virtually got rid of those through putting iodine in salt. And then people, and people got obsessed with rock salt. But people don't realise mm -hmm. that that be the case. And they're not, because they haven't had anything to do with goiters. No, I, I, you're, you've never seen one, would you? Yeah, a friend got one. Did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's not, uh, hers was caught quite early. And I think that's probably part of the yeah. thing as well. Is that you know people go oh what's that oh I should go have a scan and they go find out what it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah no I mean the people still get them but um, I guess they're a little bit smaller. Yeah and I think yeah the medical sort of profession has moved on but uh, mm. it used to be uh, it, but you're it right. virtually I mean, knocked them iodine. on the head. Yeah. It virtually knocked them on the head. Mm. You know um, the iodine salt. And, of course, some of these things that were brought in, people don't see them because they've been knocked on the head and they don't realise that these things can happen. Like vaccines. Yeah. <laughs> well, because people don't think about measles and stuff like that. But if you don't vaccinate against them, 
if everyone's not vaccinated, then there's issues. Do you know when we were kids? Mm -hmm. Kids would get the mumps, measles, and bits and pieces while you're kids. Yeah. They'd drag you around to the place so you got them got yeah. over and done with. And that was your inoculation. Everybody got chicken pox, measles, and mumps. Do they vaccinate against chicken pox these days? I don't know. But no. everybody got it. Yeah. And they used to drag you around and you'd get it. And that because there wasn't the vacu uh, vaccinations... They came in later. Mm. It was like Mary getting that polio. If that had, if she had been another year later, mm. she would have been vaccinated against it. Yeah, that sucks. You know. Yeah. Um. So because the vaccination hadn't come out, but I think it was a year later or within a fairly short time for her actually getting it, you could get vaccinated for it. You know. Yeah, that really sucks. Well, she got a very mild one, but... Yeah, but it's the, had, you know, ongoing health effects. But then the people who got the mild one yeah. ended up uh, getting this... Um, Post-polio syndrome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the ones who got it fairly heavy in the initial one uh, tend not to get the post-polio but the ones who got a mild attack... I didn't realise that. I just assumed that it was either yeah. it knocked you off the first time or it came back at later in yeah. life and and um, had another go. It's it's pretty bloody insidious. And mm. I just think that oh, people probably need to get their heads red if they choose not to get their kids vaccinated because oh, why would you want them to go through that? I mean, it's like a... Okay, they might survive the first bout of it like Mary did, but... Oh, there's some crazy things going on in the world at the moment. Hey, Rachel. Hey, yeah. Are you enjoying the podcast? Always. That's great. Heaps funny. Do you know who else is here? Cecilia. Hey, Cecilia. Hi, guys. I'm really enjoying it. Where can we find more of this? Thegentlemanofpopculture.com or Facebook and Instagram. That's awesome. And what can we find there, Lou? What you're going to find on there is Wozcast, the Whiskey Appreciation Society podcast. You will also find Diz Down Under, which is the Disney podcast or the Disney Appreciation podcast. You will also find Unscripted, the film show, which is the weekly film review show where Cecilia, Rachel and myself talk about the films that are coming out and if they're good or bad or whether you should spend your money on them. How's that? <laughs> it's great. You're forgetting. Tangent City. Oh, of course, yeah, Tangent City. What you're to do right now, where we go off on tangents and we have one little like uh, topic and we go all over the place. So it's fantastic. There's lots to listen to. Yeah, you can find us on all of your podcast networks. Yes. Just look for us. Please like, rate, review, subscribe, all of that stuff. Well done. In harmony. <laughs> you know, I was watching a thing on Scotland talking about weeds and... In their forestry areas, there's quite a bit of forestry growing for timber in Scotland, which I didn't realise. Right, okay. And uh, they were having a real problem with this weed. And they were spending thousands of dollars and, and getting to get rid of it, or tens of thousands, or hundreds of thousands. Gee. Because they were smothering out the... Uh, the natural. Yeah. Mm. And you know what the weed was? Rhododendron. Okay. No. Yeah. No. And you see, where rhododendrons are native, you've got to remember they, they're native up in um, the Himalayas. That's where they come from. Yeah. 
So, but in Scotland they do quite well, but they, there's something about they'll smother out. And the guy who was sort of in charge of this gang taking the stuff out and they were burning and chopping it down and, and working on it, and he said, I absolutely love rhododendrons. He said, I've got them growing in my garden. And <laughs> <laughs> but he said, out here, he said, they do real big damage. Interesting. Um, we should probably get going because it yeah. sounds like mum's trying to cook dinner. But I think that the wonderful thing about this particular thing, um, a particular whiskey. Um, so there's, it's a beautiful bottle for one thing. But um, uh, what do you call it? Um, raised up on the glass is um, a quote. I believe it is in our nature to explore, to reach out into the unknown and that is what Ernest Shackleton said. But these bottles, I think, are quite incredible. So on the back of the bottle, it says, a contribution from sales of this whiskey will be made to the Antarctic Heritage Trust of New Zealand. Um, this will support both the ongoing care of Shackleton's Antarctic base and the Trust's mission to conserve, share, and encourage the spirit of exploration a spirit embodied by Shackleton. And I think that's... We'll drink to that. Well, I'll have to pour a little bit more. Shit, Catherine, you've had half a bottle. I have not. You... I had, like... You had more than me. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm, I'm just serving... It's not a pissing competition, Tony. <laughs> I have not. You had this massive glass full to begin with. <laughs> anyway... This podcast has been brought to you by the Gentlemen of Pop Culture.